We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. That team sure did suck last night. They just plain sucked. I've seen teams suck before, but they were the suckiest bunch of sucks that ever sucked. Steve Rosenblum. There was a keg stand. I lost to an 81-year-old lady. She got off the main <laughs> floor, and then, and, but I was, it was really close. Mark Grody. I've been waiting to get a hold of this guy for years. Yeah, like like Channel 2 News is out there interviewing people. Yeah, I've been talking to my wife about getting Steve. He wants connected my dots and more to my plate. I'm going to dunk his ass. They suck, so you don't have to. Can't you morons do anything right? Founding members of the WB Club. Smoke weed every day. The three words that describe this show, and I quote. Stink. Stank. Stunk. It's Saturday Suckage on the score. We should be 670 WSUK. Good morning. Welcome in. It's Saturday Suckage on The Score, Chicago Sports Radio 670. The Score. Let's take roll. Grobber. It sucks and it freebases. Don Cooper. If I think something sucks, I'll tell you it sucks. Mike Tomlin. Uh, Sucking. Jake Arrieta. This sucks. Really, it does. Brian Cashman. I also know that we suck right now. Albert Almora. Damn, Willie, man. Do we suck? Chris Rock. I suck so bad, he used to pick me after the white kids. Pat Fitzgerald. Sometimes you got to embrace the suck. Eloy Jimenez. Hey, you guys not going to make anyway. You guys are suck. Hey, when, when I got traded the next day, oh, welcome to the suck team. Toby. Oh, my God, the suck. Random Bears fan. Steph Curry. We suck tonight. Terry Bores. Finally made a list of somebody who thinks he sucks besides I do. Avenue Q. It sucks to be me. It sucks to be me. It sucks to be broken, unemployed, and turning 33. St. John. Sucks to me. Ross Perot. There will be a giant sucking sound going south. Devin McCourty. Sucks to end the season that way. Nick. Chubb. 
one of the things that stuck in that stuck to us when, when he came here, he said, you know, you got to embrace the suck. Pat McAfee. There are some commentators that f- suck out there. Nicholas Ehlers. Uh, yeah, uh, not a fun morning. Um, uh, yeah, it, it, it sucks. Um, Chris Ballard. And now we get we lose these last two games and we just suck. Giannis. We suck. Play bad. They made shots. They played good. They played better than us. Mark Grody. Bueller. Bueller. <laughs> Bueller. You and me, Trash Panda. Bueller. <laughs> Adam Studzinski is here, our Trash Panda producer. Grody is, okay, I don't know where Grody is. I'm just telling you this, that we tweeted stuff out. We are in the missing Mark Grody found it, uh, formation, and he liked the tweets and then responded when I said WTF. And so he's then awake. he responded, and it was like, dude. So he is awake. We can confirm he's awake. He's not working today. Though. And he's telling us, he said he tweeted out, shh. And it's like, is that to keep Dave the Cat from going crazy? Because Dave the Cat's circadian rhythms are probably all screwed up with the life that he's living. They score overnight stuff. I Cats are mainly nocturnal, I thought, though, anyway. My cats tend to be. They, they, they sleep, well, they sleep at all hours of the day. But, or maybe, you know, maybe actually I should, ref, I should, they're not, actually, because what they do is I've noticed they've adjusted their sleeping schedule to my girlfriend's schedule. They sleep. They, they, they get up in the morning. They annoy the hell out of both of us so they can get fed. Then they go to sleep. We both go to work, get back around 10 or 11 at night. They then start to be active again, and then everyone goes to sleep, and the whole cycle starts over. So, yeah, maybe, maybe Dave is trying to adjust to Grody's new schedule of being up all night, and he's not happy about it. Dave tended to leave when when Grody would show up for Saturday Suckage. It is his show. He should be on this show. He's not on this show. But when Grody did show up, Mark said that Dave the Cat would go find some place to hide or presumably some soundproof area. (laughs) He didn't have to listen to the show. (laughs) So now his world is turned upside down. And so is ours. And Grody's not here. But we will be doing later on. We have what I... What a wonderful show we have planned. It won't go off this way, but what a wonderful show we have planned. Um, We'll still do what Mark heard. (laughs) Because what Mark heard on his score overnight shift as, as Grobber with trading wheels was really special. And then just to show the, just to show how, how high the bar is set. For score overnight listeners, for former Grobber listeners, nobody was on from the score, and there were still angry texts coming in. We will get to that later. That was an astounding text that I saw when I came in this morning. So, so, yeah, we'll we'll get into it, but it was phenomenal. So we will do that. Um, There there is a, a planned show that includes Cam Ellis of Odyssey Sports, the man about the Midwest, Bon Vivant, and public relations advisor to Rocky Wirtz. And he'll be here at 1140 to talk Bears. They introduced their coordinators. Nobody really wants to talk about the quarterback. Why is that? And the the defensive coordinator is just talking about what great athletes he has, except not at any of the three positions that are key for the cover two defense that that uh, e- Matt Eberflus wants to play. We'll discuss that with Cam Ellis at 12 20. 
the Cubs want more money from you. The minor leaguers want more money, and they're getting nothing. You'll get nothing and like it. That's what major league owners are telling minor leaguers. We'll discuss that with Evan Altman of Cubs Insider. And at 1 o'clock, Danny Parkins. We have the Wake and Bake Club, and this is where the Wake and Bake Club meets the, the Bet and Go Club. Danny will be hosting a playoff preview show tomorrow on the score at 11 o'clock. Scores coverage of Super Bowl Sunday starts at 9 with BetQL, 9 to 11. Danny Parkins, 11 to 1, is playoff preview special. Westwood 1 takes it from 1 o'clock until Evan McPherson kicks the game-winning field goal. And that'll be that. Oh, is that your prediction? Oh, yeah. We got to get into our predictions later before well, the show I t- ends. Well, I'll tell you right now because it's not, it's, and maybe you can help me here. Anyways, Parkins will be here at one because we got a whole bunch of bets. I can explain to you why I think the Bengals are one of the more fraudulent Super Bowl teams in recent memory. Bring it. Let's go. Bring do you it. want to do this right now? Yeah. So, what, all right, what, you what, what at, are we saving it for? Yeah, that's true. What else do we have to talk about? So, I, like, you look at the run that they've made in the Super Bowl, and first of all, their like their defense is it they maybe I'm I'm making this argument because my brain when it sees something that doesn't make sense logically tends to freak out a little bit and try to find reasons why this is happening. Well, but that's a good thing. And well, yes, it is. I guess. But so I I look at the Bengals and I and I see them. I see the team they were when the Bears beat them, beat the beat their brains out mm-hmm. early in the season. And I know that was that was a long time ago, but. Largely, largely the same roster, and Joe Burrow is playing better since then. But you look at the run that they've made in the playoffs, and you look at the team that the Bengals actually are. They have a terrible offensive line, mm-hmm. and the fact that a team with this bad of an offensive line is playing in the Super Bowl makes zero sense to me and never will. They also have an average at best defense, if we can call it that. I mean, they've, they've, they, they played a, their secondary, I will say, played astounding football in the second half against the Chiefs. However, the Chiefs, and I'll get into this in a second, the Chiefs played some of the worst football I've ever seen them play, but a combination of Andy Reid's play calling and Patrick Mahomes in the last couple of years. So you look at those. You facts, don't think the Bengals had anything to do with they did. those decisions made by Patrick Mahomes? And Andy Reid. Well, like I said, their Bengals secondary played astounding in the second half of that game. And I do give them credit for that. However, the game should have been 28 to 10 at halftime. I don't understand what the hell that play call was. You're doing was. the whole woulda, coulda, shoulda no, thing. It, you should it's, bet it's horses. Not, it's, it should have. It should have been 28 to 10. Right. And the San Francisco 49ers should have. Should have been in the Super Bowl, but just Kwaski Tart dropped the interception. Th- that's true. That's true. Okay, and, but, it didn't happen. No, but no, you look at, I, again, you look at the entirety of the run the Bengals have made, okay? They beat the Raiders, who are, okay, they were in the playoffs, but they're they're fine. They were as a remarkable a comeback story as the Bengals. That's true. I mean, where, where I, they were, because and here's and, what you have to understand. The reason to pick the Bengals is because because they every team that lost to Matt Nagy won the Super Bowl. <laughs> That's what happened last year. That's true. Tom Brady couldn't count and he won the Super Bowl and now he counts to seven. And the Bengals lost to Matt Nagy. There's nothing more embarrassing than that. And so the Bengals are winning the Super Bowl. But you go ahead and continue with all your woulda, coulda, shouldas. And somewhere in there is a point. Well, I, I'm making the point. And that's that I don't think the Bengals are... It's It's... I, I guess I'm making the point that 
I don't understand how a team who I don't think is actually that good managed to get to this point. And then I look at the run they made in the playoffs. And again, they beat the Raiders, who were okay at best. They were a playoff T-W-T-W. team. Okay, yes, fine. They beat the Titans. They beat Ryan Tannehill. Cool, good for you. And then they beat the Chiefs. They beat the coach of the year in Tennessee, by the way. Yeah, and they also had Ryan Tannehill not being able to put up points. And they got their kicker warming up on the sidelines for that kick. And After Ryan Tannehill and threw an atrocious interception. Some teams make the plays and some teams like the 49ers don't. And that's, then that's fair. And then And that's why and that's and then why Evan the, McPherson turns to Joe Burrow and says, Well, looks like we're going to the AFC championship game. And Joe Burrow says, Okay, I'll walk into the locker room. And the we're Bengals the, do the Bengals do have that 2015-16 Cubs or about them where they, they shouldn't be in this situation, but they're too young and inexperienced to understand that they shouldn't be in these situations, and and so the moment doesn't feel as big as it probably should be to them. And so anyway, and then and then we talked about the Chiefs game, and like Patrick Mahomes had six of the worst plays he's ever had in the NFL in two goal line stands. The one where they tied the game at the at the end, and then the Bengals went down and won it right, mm-hmm. and then the one at the end of half, at the end of the the first half, where they threw the ball sideways to Tariq Hill with no timeouts left, which is just inexplicable and inexcusable. Okay. So my point is that they, they we should be thanking they've just dis- they've kind of gotten through the playoffs somehow some way, and then I look and I explain how they've done it, and then I reach the conclusion that based on this. I think they're fraudulent, and I think that they're going to get blown out tomorrow. Okay, entirely possible because it's a Super Bowl, and Super Bowls we do have a the DNA of a blowout is there. So I was I was contemplating this this morning and not knowing if Joe Burrow. First of all, Joe Burrow got sacked nine times and stood up every time and won the game. That's another thing. That you get sacked 9 times and win a playoff game. It's just yeah, well, and, and it's in in TWTW okay, but Ryan Tannehill put up 16 points, which is why they weren't able to win that's which is why they were in position to win the game in the first place. The Bengals were. Okay. I Let me run a couple other things by you with this. He's Adam Studzinski. He's he's Trash Panda. We're in the missing Mark Rody foundation uh, formation today. I'm Steve Rosenblum. This is Saturday suckage. So in contemplating this today, I didn't know if I was watching Joe Burrow, Evan McPherson, if I was watching a latter day version of Joe Namath, massive underdogs, confident as hell. There's nobody when the kicker's mouth becomes the story because he's as spot on as his leg is and he's a rookie and you go, Oh my God. I mean, Kevin Butler was like, he would grow to be like that, but he but never had this kind of, not not the cockiness I've seen reported from Evan McPherson, and he backs it up with every kick. And Joe Burrow is, I don't know, can you explain the shysty thing? That's a that's a skeevy kind of word. So why is he Joe Shiesty? Why are they I, This is the first time hearing this. All right, let's move right along. I thought it was just I'll, Joe I'll talk cool. to one of the popular games. That's Joe Montana. Okay, so I don't know. Whether I'm watching Joe Namath and a team that just keeps coming and, and very confident, and, hey, you can underrate us all you want, and then he and his fur coat run off the field, and in this case it would be Joe Burrow and his cigar run off the field champions. Or, and I covered this game, I watched 
the San Diego Chargers. It seems, you know, it's San Diego, nice weather. It's either 68 or 72. And they have their pastel colors. They took their pastel colors and the moon-faced quarterback, Stan Humphreys, to the AFC Championship game in Pittsburgh. No, check that, in Blitzburgh, where Bill Cowher's jaw could seat a family of four. And it's snowing in Blitzburg. No, wait, it's snowing sideways. It's not just coming down. It's going sideways. And here is this team from the great surfing capital of the world, San San Diego. And here's Neil O'Donnell, and he has the Steelers down and goal one yard away from getting to the Super Bowl. And all of a sudden, little known, quickly forgotten, Dennis Gibson leaps over a Steeler, makes a play, knocks down the pass. A stunned Three River Stadium cannot believe the Steelers just lost to that team from San Diego. And then, moon-faced Stan Humphreys and his pastel-laden Chargers showed up at the Super Bowl, and on the first play, Jerry Rice, Steve Young to Jerry Rice for the first of six touchdown passes. See, exactly. I, well, I don't, I, I, we, I, I think we might be reliving that. Both. And I just did. I don't know what I'm watching. But well, I'm rooting flip- for the story. And here's something else. Here is something else that you cannot forget being in Chicago the way you are. I have my one Super Bowl prediction is this. In the fourth quarter, Matthew Stafford, the former Detroit Lion, is going to throw a game-turning interception. That's and my that, Super Bowl prediction. That's the that's definitely an X factor in this game. Is that we're looking at former Lions quarterback <laughs> yes. Matt Stafford, who we know from, like you mentioned, we know we've seen it how many times in the last ten years him throw just the backbreaking interception, whether it's on Thanksgiving a few years ago in twenty eighteen when he threw the the just the one of the worst pick sixes you're ever going to see to Eddie Jackson. He tried to throw it to Jaquaski Tart. Former bear, by the way. And he threw it to Eddie Jackson instead. Yeah. And then then threw a pick in the end zone on the next drive. So, I mean, we've seen this so many times, and we haven't seen it yet in the playoffs. He tried. He he, tried against the Niners. I'm telling you, it was right there. Yeah, it was right there. You're right. He tried his best. And I actually, I remember seeing that play and thinking, that is the demons being exercised. Like I knew in that moment, okay, they're going to win the game because that right there is the ball that usually gets caught by the other team against Matt Stafford and, and ends the game because it's what we see Matt, Matt right. Stafford do. And exactly. in that moment, and then finally it didn't happen. It didn't happen. The universe finally gave him a break and said, you know what, kid, we'll let you have this one. But okay. Let me, let me back ask, up with him. Then what's the difference between a guy who is insistent on throwing the fourth quarter interception that breaks your team's heart? And Joe Burrow getting sacked nine times. I mean, there's the same there's the same death wish in both cases. So both guys are here, both teams are here. I the the idea of the idea of Matthew Stafford winning a Super Bowl is pretty outrageous to me. Having oh, seen is. him for so many years. Now I realize Cooper Cup is a MVP candidate and Sean McVay is in now his second Super Bowl. He's likely to be calmer and everything is going for them, especially Aaron Donald, who might separate Joe from Burrow. And then you have no, 
he might look like an 85 bear where they knocked out 75 different quarterbacks and and they they peopled all of they people all of Forest Lawn in LA the cemetery in in LA here's here's all your Hollywood celebs and all your all Hollywood headstones but I just see what the Bengals have done and maybe I'm thinking just as a as a journalist as a guy in a in a previous life where I root for stories I don't root for teams I root for stories the Bengals are a far bigger story and and let's Let's imagine that Matthew Stafford does what I think he's going to do in the fourth quarter. He's going to throw that interception. Matthew Stafford, it will be quickly brought up that his his center, when he played football in high school, you know. I do. His center in, in high his school? His center in high school? I Do I know him? Yeah. Who was it? guy named Clayton Kershaw. Wow, really? And Stafford was Kershaw's catcher in high school. I see. I knew they went to the same high school. I did not oh, know that that I, was the situation. Same, yes. So it's like, wait, didn't Clayton Kershaw have this whole thing? Now, eventually he won. But for so long, it was the whole, really, it was the Matthew Stafford story in baseball. So that's the way I see it coming down. And that's my one my one prediction. My prediction now? Is that what Pain. we're going well, yeah, pain. I, I, <laughs> we did. We know. I How did we that, blow the Mr. T acting cut? If I think that my my gut tells me it's not going to be close, and I think that the Rams defense, because in in Ryan Horvat just in the last segment of Inside the Clubhouse brought this up, like when he was trying to figure out this game betting wise, and you go back to teams that the Bengals faced that were able to pressure Burrow without blitzing him. And they struggled and the Rams can pressure without blitzing. Mm -hmm. They're going to be able to like, there's no doubt in my mind that Aaron Donald, Von Miller, Leonard Floyd are going to be able to get to Joe Burrow without blitzing. And that I think is going to be the difference. MVP. Oh my God. Justifying Ryan Bays. Bring back Ryan Bays. Look, that would be incredible. (laughs) Leonard Floyd. (laughs) Leonard Floyd. I'm going to call it right now. I'm going to call it and I'm going to make the bet tomorrow. (laughs) Leonard Floyd for MVP. He's going to get, he's going to get five tackles plus 5,000. What is that? Well, that's the thing is even if even if Leonard Floyd is the obvious MVP, because who was the last non-quarterback MVP? Von, Von Miller was, Von Miller, was right? the last one, right? And he had an astounding game, and they had a quarterback who could barely throw more than ten yards at that point. If I think it, I think that Leonard, whether it's Leonard Floyd or maybe Von Miller again, or certainly Eric Donald would be the of all the defensive players, he would be the likely choice, of course. Or maybe, they're gonna have maybe to score. Jalen Ramsey. They're gonna have to score. Yeah, Jalen Ramsey with a pick six. They're gonna have to score. And that's how they do it instead of a quarterback, I think, or instead of Cooper Cup. That would Leonard yeah, Floyd. I could see that Super Bowl MVP. <laughs> no, I, I I can feel it right now. <laughs> Five to ten tackles, two sacks, a forced fumble, a fumble recovery, and a touchdown. I'm calling that's that's going to be Leonard Floyd's line tomorrow, and it's gonna it's not going to be because. He was creating the pressure. It's because Aaron Donald and Von Miller were collapsing the pocket and he was cleaning up. Right, because Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks were doing all that work and Leonard Floyd just picked up the, yeah. Well, that's what Leonard, well, that is. Uh-huh. Leonard right. Floyd, well, that's, but look, you give him credit for being opportunistic. Oh, look, I, I think I always thought that in Leonard Floyd was always good here. He just wasn't the guy that they drafted him in the top healthy. 10 to be. Yeah, he, you know, he had some injuries. But he turned himself into a pretty good all-around 
outside linebacker. When he got away from Matt Nagy's coaching. Yeah. 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 Yeah, of course. And and he's look again, he's he's fine. He's a good addition to a already good defense, is what he is. And that's why he's thriving in LA. Well, yeah, when you're when you only have to play third fiddle, you're not expected to be the a top seven pick. He's Trash Band. I'm Steve Rosenblum. We uh we have a texture. Our text line, by the way, is three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. Same number as if you were to like in a in a galaxy far far away, a long time ago, people would call a sports talk radio show. <laughs> it doesn't happen now. And by the way, we're gonna that a long time ago in a galaxy far far away. We're gonna go back to revisit that uh, later on. But a texture says, "Just baked up." I know Grody is off. Why does Dave Baum sound weird? Welcome. So you're ready for the. The Wake and Bake Club halftime show tomorrow. There's Snoop. They were talking about it. Do you know how they interviewed him where we have the the famous cut from Grobber saying, no, over here, Madonna. Yeah, that right? Yes. We have, we have that while well, they interview the halftime act. And they're talking with Dre. I just call him Dre. You can call him Doc if you want. And on stage is... The, the interview. Hi, Madonna. Over this way here. There you go. There you go. Yeah. So. That's so good. As what, what do you do? What do you, what do you do to get ready? As if I were talking about training, what do you do to get ready for the show? First of all, I think, like we discussed last week, they must have pre-recorded it because they're not going to give all, they're not going to give Snoop a live mic. Even though he's had a live mic on, on Kings hockey games, he's a huge hockey fan. They've given, they've mic'd him up. And I don't know if they needed a seven-second delay, but they asked him, "How do you get? How do you get ready for this?" And Dre was talking, "Well, I'll get some sleep." They were all talking about getting some sleep or making sure they they sort of worked out or at least got some exercise in, so they feel they can pull it off. And then somebody says, "And we all know what Snoop does: smoke weed every day." Damn, you know what? Can't recommend that for everybody, but it's always worked for him, hasn't it? All right. Uh, Made a career out of it. Yeah. Good for him. Look, Wake and Bake Club, that's that's our halftime show tomorrow. So we uh, we will take a break. And when we come back, as if Trash Panda wasn't, wasn't impassioned enough about discussing the Super Bowl and how it doesn't even sound like to him it's going to be a game, we're going to, we're going to let him set, we're going to let him, you know what, we should play Soldier Boy coming back. Do we have that? We have Soldier Boy. I believe we do. We should. We should. You should just open up a can of Santa's rectum on all the people who didn't vote Devin Hester into the Hall of Fame, and we'll just let you at them. At eleven forty, we'll talk Bears football coordinators with Odyssey's man about the Midwest, Bon Vivant, PR man for PR director, PR strategist for Rocky Words. He's he's Cam Ellis. But for now, we're Saturday suckage. But you already knew that the Wake and Bake Club. Our halftime show is tomorrow. We are Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Adam Vinatieri has it on the tee. The Colts in all white. The Bears, navy blue and white. You white know, numerals are about ready to go. By the people in the stands, they don't need seats today because they're all standing. Vinatieri on the approach platform. Popping here in Miami. It sails to the far side around the eight-yard line to Hester. 
under it. And to the middle with the 15, to the 20, breaks free of the 25, to the 30, to the outside, 40, midfield, 40, 30 of the coach, 20, 15, Hester 5. Well, that's it. That is the Bears Super Bowl highlight since Ditka got carried off the field and Buddy Ryan got carried off the field on January 26, 1986 in New Orleans. That's it. There's your highlight. There's your Bears highlight from the Super Bowl since 1986 during the glorious Kasky ownership. And that's it. Courtesy of Jeff Joniak calling it. Tom Thayer, frequent guest on our show, groaning and cheering and going all Ron Sano. And Devin Hester ran it back, and he should have run. He should have been able to run right into the Hall of Fame on the voting Thursday, but no. So you go ahead and open up a can of Santa's rectum, Trash Panda, and just talk about this whole thing, which grates on you. Maybe the greatest... He might have been the single greatest athlete doing what he's doing in your sports lifetime. I would, well, with the exception of MJ, like if you're considering yeah, the are fact Are you that, old enough to know who Michael Jordan is? Yes, I do remember him. Do you know playing. that he played on a team before the Wizards? Uh, vaguely. Yes, okay. I do recall. Right. So, but uh, yeah, with the exception of MJ and I would uh, maybe, maybe Peyton Manning, who I think was... Just in a, like an unbelievable played quarterback on a level that still people don't don't play it. Oh, you at. only like him because of the Saturday Night Live. Well, and there's also commercial. that. And so I'll also preface this whole conversation by saying that I realize that us as Bears fans are biased, but I think we can be objective in the fact that he did his job as a returner, like you're alluding to, better than most, if not all, professional athletes since the year 2000. And you look at the and you look at the Hall of Fame class. Certainly, like let's take all the other athlete conversation out. Look at this Hall of Fame class. A lot of these guys are deserving and should be in there. Tony Baselli, I think, is a, is a worthy, really good, really awesome like left tackle for the for the Jags. Absolutely worthy. Leroy Butler should have been in sooner, probably. He Richard's- invented the Lambo leap. He was the first to do that. You get in for stuff like that. Exactly. In my world, and you know, Bryant Young, great. Richard Seymour. I thought could be in eventually, but this year you're, he's getting in over Demarcus Ware, who is is someone that I think we are losing in this conversation with us as Bears fans talking about Devin Hester. Demarcus Ware should have been in too. He absolutely should have been in. He had a better career than Richard Seymour, and we okay. were talking in the break that Richard Seymour won Super Bowls. Oh, cool, cool. You won Super Bowls with Tom Brady. Great, good for you. No, he won Super Bowls with Adam Vinatieri, not that, with Tom yeah, Brady. That's true. <laughs> yes, exactly. But Devin Hester was the best at what he did mm-hmm. by a no, significant nobody's margin. Even second. Nobody yes. is even there, there second. There is no second. You should be. A, you should. It's he's the top ten, and you start the conversation from there. So not only. Is he just considered the best? He has the numbers to back it up. He broke Deion Sanders' return record. He was so dangerous that teams would stay up. I mean, you talked, what they could have done is just talk to opposing coaches. Talk to Green Bay's special team coach 
in the late to mid in the late 2000s and early 2010s and ask Minnesota's. him yeah or Minnesota's and ask them what it was like preparing twice a year to face Devin Hester ask the Denver Broncos the mistake they made in 2007 where they they were the last team that defiantly kicked to Devin Hester the last one Without without it being a mistake, they were the last team that said we're going to kick it to him. Uh-huh. And what did he do? He took well, two kicks back. Well, that was Tony Dungy's thinking. And you know what? He woke up that day. We're confident. We're you know what? We're going to we're going to kick to him. We're going to shut him down, and then we'll take the soul right out of them in the Super Bowl. And look what happened. Yeah. Oops. Because every team that dared challenge him got beat every time. Mm-hmm. And if if they would have continued challenging him, he would have had double the returns. The Interesting thing about this class that does not include Devin Hester is, as you named, four players were voted in whose job it was to get three and outs, right? Their job and and their job was to force punts. Their job was to change field position. Well, guess what? When the Bears defense forced a punt, it didn't just change field position, it changed games because they had the best ever. And the Galaxy Brain voters of the Hall of Fame just don't connect dots that way. I still think they look at kickers and punt returners as not real football players. There is such a bias there in whatever presentation there is. They get, what do you have again? They don't understand the concept of putting the best in there. Everything you said about changing game plans, changing thoughts, changing field position, I'd rather kick out of bounds then try to tackle a guy we don't think we can tackle. There was a deep dive study, and, and we I know we got to get, get to the break here, but real quick, there was a deep dive study done about the fact that the Bears, when they had Devin Hester, for whatever years it was, had markedly better field position on punts than every other team in the league. It was like, on average, two or three yards per punt they gained in field position, and it's because of Devin Hester. Check out the big brain on those Hall of Fame voters. All right, we'll check out... Cam Ellis's brain on the Bears. They introduced their coordinators. What did he hear? What did he think? And where do we go from here? I'm Steve Rosenblum. We're in the missing Mark Grody Foundation, which sucks. But then that's what Saturday Suckage is all about. He's Trash Panda. He's he's got whatever Trash Panda. Did. He wakes up each morning as a Trash Panda and chooses chaos. And we're happy for it. Saturday Suckage, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score try to establish that identity or, you know, we're going to establish the culture first, but then we're going to dive into this identity, right? That's going to be driven by the personnel, the coaching staff, and we're going to become something. There's not one specific answer to that right now. Um, We have to dive into what everybody does best, right? And it starts with the quarterback, right? This is a quarterback driven offense. So the things that the quarterback position does well, that's going to be the driver of who we are. And then we're going to marry that to what the other guys on the football field do well, I mean, that's the, that's the purpose of the offense coordinator, right? To, to dive into what the people do well, what they do best, and then, and then uh, build the, the, the offense around that. That, your new Bears offensive coordinator, Luke Getze, the great Getze. And what a refreshing change that presents to Bears fans if you're able to grasp the idea of a coach being flexible and a coach actually coaching the players in front of them and the team in front of them, the talents in front of them. Novel idea. I have not... Trash Panda, I don't know where we have... Really, how far back do we have to go to consider 
somebody <laughs> like that in this in this clown college that on the, the, on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, Mike yeah. Ditka maybe. <laughs> Been a while. Yeah, where he'd already st- he'd ripped a clipboard out of out of um, Greg Landry's hands or Ed Hughes's hands, and oh my god! So you're, I mean, it, it is such a basic thing, and yet we were bereft of it watching the Bears founder around and kick and scream and and a coming off a coach who demanded that his scheme, it's magic, it's the magic scheme, and he has a handful of magic beans because he once had cheeseburgers with an ice cream with Andy Reid. It's like, wow. And then you hear Luke Getze talk. So we know what we think about what Luke Getze said. And again, it could just be talk. We will see. But we will go to the Scores Hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. And welcome back to the show. Odyssey's Bon Vivant, man about the Midwest, football expert, and um, PR man for Rocky Wirtz. And he is Cam Ellis. Cam, how you doing? I'm doing okay. How are you guys doing? We're doing good. So the Bears introduced our coordinators, and Luke Getze came on, and, and you know, we heard him say things. But then again, we also heard Ryan Pace say, you know, a, right. a lifetime ago that we want to draft a quarterback every year. And the only time we did that was when he could overpay and – and put the Bears in draft capital jail. So what did you hear? What do you believe? What was good? What was bad? Um, I I thought it was weird that, like, it would be awkward to answer, to, to hear Welcome to Chicago 14 times in a row. Like, that would be an awkward first way to start a press conference. Um, I, I, I thought it was fine. You know, like, it is – we're so football starved already, even though the Bears stopped playing like a month ago, um, that, you know, of course people are going to go, you know, they're going to parse through every sentence and go, this was different than Matt Nagy. This was better than Matt Nagy. I'm like, yeah, I, I do agree that the, the general idea that Getsy was talking about sounded better to where the Bears are than what Matt Nagy was sort of saying the last couple of years. Um, but like, you're sort of right. At the end of the day, like it is, it's all fun and games right now. And you know, you, you can build an offense around the skills of a player all you want. But if the skills of that player are not, you know, particularly good, um, it doesn't really matter. So it, it is. It was. It was not a disaster. And I think when it comes to offseason Bears press conferences, like that, that is a check mark, check mark box in its own right. So we'll just say not a disaster, and we'll move on from there. I agree. That's a good. That's a good bar that we have not to have here in disaster. Chicago. Yeah, not a disaster. <laughs> yeah. We've set the bar at the height of a curb. Exactly. We're at the gutter, and we've set it at barely above a gutter. Maybe someday I mean, we'll. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Cam. I was just saying we've cleared the gutter already, so that's a great first step. Super. <laughs> Baby steps forward. So, did you, Cam? Did you think it was weird at all that all, especially? the two main coordinators with the, uh, the, with the exception of the special teams guy, Richard Hightower. Did you think it was weird that they almost at times seemingly refused to be specific on players? And they, they seemed extremely general throughout their, the entire press conference. Yeah. I, I got that vibe as well. Um, I, I don't know if I would react. I don't know if my reaction was to think it was weird, although I, I, I did sort of note that and saying like, oh, that is sort of an, an oddity. Um, I think they're just playing it safe. You know, uh, while I don't think that there is this very dramatic, you know, tear down and rebuild coming, I bet there are probably some players that the last organization was way 
higher or lower on than this one is. And I don't think they want to get boxed into, you know, a 700 word explanation about how a, a specific player is good. And then all of a sudden, you know, two, three weeks later, he's traded or cut. So I, I would have, I personally would have liked to hear more specific details just because I think that that is a good way to answer a question and a good way to sort of endear yourself off the bat. But I, I don't necessarily think they care about that, so to speak. And so it doesn't, it didn't surprise me, but yeah, I, I would have liked to hear a little more player specific detail um, if it was up to me. We're talking with Cam Ellis. You can catch him on odyssey.com. He is uh, writing about Football up and down the Midwest, all around, and we are here on Saturday Suckage, and we're happy he joined us. The It was apparent from the moment that Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus introduced themselves to Chicago. They really didn't want to say Justin Fields' name. They talked about the quarterback, the quarterback position, and that seems to have continued as, you, as Trash Panda asked and you answered his question, and they don't really want to talk about individuals. And the first thing I thought of was, what the card, what the Cardinals did, where they had, they 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 got rid of the quarterback they drafted early, and they went after Kyler Murray. And I'm not saying, I mean, the Bears don't even have a number one draft or first round draft pick this year. But that kind of approach, keeping hands off, they don't seem. Are they losing anything by not embracing Justin Fields the way everybody around here wants to embrace him, or do they see a real problem with him? As a football player, because first of all, he's a turnover machine. He can't hold on to the ball. He fumbles a lot. And then there are the interceptions. And whatever you want to blame it on, he was the guy at that position making those mistakes. How do you judge what the current regime, the new new people at Hallis Hall, are saying or not saying by by not saying his name until specifically asked about him? Yeah, it is. It is not what I would have expected. I, I'll phrase it that way. It, it, I don't, I don't want to sound the alarm yet because I, I do think that there's just a, a seemingly different vibe to this organization, both you know how they operate but also how they communicate, which I think is not an a unimportant part of this job. So I, I think it's a little bit weird. I, I I don't think it's a problem. I think they maybe truly just don't have a hugely great sense of what they have yet. You know, they can watch tape all they want, but I I don't think, you know, I I think we can all say that we can sit here and say that last year is not how you operate Justin Fields in an offense. And so like, it's hard to, it is, while it's good to see his reps, it's a little bit hard to scout how good he can be in a offense that was as abysmally awful as it was last year. So I don't think it's anything to read too far into, you know, if, if you get into the spring and into the summer and there's still this sort of weird gray area to talk about, then I go, okay, that's weird. But I think right now they're just taking a very sort of steady across the board. We're not going to get too far into specifics about a player just because that is not positioning them well in regards to both moves they want to make and, and then, you know, moves they want to make with other teams. So I, I wouldn't worry yet, but I do think it is a little bit weird that he hasn't been embraced quite as much as I thought we were all expecting. One more on Getsy before I, I do want to touch just a little bit on, on Williams, the defensive coordinator, Kim. But what did you take out of when Luke Getsy was asked about what he learned from coaching Aaron Rodgers and working with Matt LaFleur? Because I, I know that there's a lot of Bears fans out there who have a concern that Luke Getze 
on paper might look fine. And, you know, the Packers offense was awesome, but how much of that was Aaron Rodgers, and how much did Luke Getze actually have to coach Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, that's a good question. I, you know, I, I don't want to sit here and say that I know specifically, you know, what routes were great because of Getze and Rodgers, because, because that is not, well, I don't basically. Uh, but what I will say is that it, it, you know, from everything you hear out of green Bay, this offense the offense that Getsy ran clicked in a way that it hadn't ever before for Rodgers. And I, I think if, if maybe that doesn't necessarily translate to what Justin Fields can do, although I think a lot of it and most of it does, but I think it speaks to his ability to, you know, come into a career at that level. Like Aaron Rodgers didn't have to do anything differently at that point. Right. And so like to, to, to be able to reach someone like Rodgers, and get the most out of him while he was already at his peak, I think speaks to Getsy's ability as a teacher and, and as someone who can make Justin Fields grow in the sense of knowing the whole game. And so, well, I don't know. Yes, a lot of the talent, a lot of the production is Aaron Rodgers is really good, and that is that shouldn't be short-sold. But I do think there's something to be said about how Getsy was able to bring Rodgers, you know, five, ten percent more out of him at that level of his career. And I think that speaks to the type of teacher he is. Before we let you go, Cam, Alan Williams, the defensive coordinator, said the Bears have a lot of good football players uh, going from a 3-4 to a 4-3 and playing the cover two. And, well, we have a lot of good football players who are going to play football. Football coaches use the word football a lot because they say football, football, <laughs> football, football. football. Who's going to be the football player who is a three technique? We'll play Les's description of that later. Who's going to be the football player who plays Lance Briggs? And is it Roquan Smith being Lance Briggs or Roquan Smith trying to be Brian Urlacher? And whatever happened to Eddie Jackson and the Bull, the Bears don't seem to have the right football players in the right football positions for the football scheme they're going to play on the football field next year. No, not when you put it like that. And, uh, no, you're right. I, I don't think it like. You know, like everyone has pointed out on Twitter immediately afterwards, like base schemes aren't really a thing anymore. Like they are in technicality, but you don't play in base schemes a lot and you rotate out a lot. So, yeah, I mean, does it mean that the front might look a little different than we thought it was going into the offseason? Maybe. But, yeah, I don't I don't have all the problems the Bears have on their plates. I don't think switching base defenses is really a huge one. You know, I, I do think that there are probably individual cases where you go, oh, like that might be great. And like, oh, Rick wants to that middle linebacker. That could be cool. But, you know, it's going to be like, they're still players. They're going to be in different formations. Like they're in nickel a lot. They're, they're in dime a lot. Like it is the least, they, the, people should not be worrying about this. Uh, that's what I'll say. Like, I, I think that if you're going to find a way to sort of get out of Bears anxiety for a little bit, a good place to start is not worrying about switching defensive schemes. Okay, well, we're going to mark that tape, and then we're going to bring it back, and then we're going <laughs> to see, and we'll go from there. All right, we appreciate it. Cam, thanks, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Have a good one. All right, Cam Ellis, Odyssey.com. We are an Odyssey station. We're proud of the Odyssey. We're going to take a break. Mia, we're in the Missing Mark Rody Foundation. We need him because there was like a break in the winter, wiener circle. The brick-throwing perp changed his – his look and shaved and whatever it was after the videotape. And then it was like, oh, my God, we need Grody here to tell us he stole a Provasic. Unlock me. Unlock me. And we don't have him here. So it's me and Trash Panda. So Trash Panda, we have Super Bowl commercials coming up. 
And then there was something this week that made me cry. I just got all teared up over it. And um and there was there was a um let's see how do I how do I, oh more trolling of Brittany Matthews and Jackson Mahomes. We have much to discuss. And we have our version of what Mark heard. Just because Mark's not here, we have what Mark heard. But we have a couple hours to do that. Next hour, we'll talk with Evan Altman at 1220, Cubs Insider. We'll talk about how they want more money from you, potentially. And at 1 o'clock, Danny Parkins. And he'll find out. He will tell you what bets he will make on the Super Bowl. And we have some props for him. So we'll go from there. In the meantime, I think we should do what Mark heard because it was really a classic thing. And then Les is going to explain the three technique because the Bears really need that. This is Saturday Suckage. You knew that. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.